As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another edition of Tag and Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined with my co-host, colleague, and good friend, Zach Milner. Before we get started today, if you have not already, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us over on Watch Playback. We are actually watching a game tonight, because this will go before the game tonight. We're watching a game tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern between Creighton and Xavier. Big East semifinal should be a really good game. Um, and most importantly, just... Uh, Beyond that, because we are there a couple times a week. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're always talking hoops. Zach, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Just, uh, I think it's 9 Eastern tonight, right? It's they 9 were... Eastern? Did I yeah, read it out wrong? I think okay, it's 9 Eastern. Second. All right, so, well, 9 Eastern then. <laughs> Double check that with a tweet. But yes, I am doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, we haven't done as many podcasts recently as we did earlier in the year. I know we did one a couple weeks ago, but... Um, you and I just talked about it for everyone. We're going to try to get podcasts. We're going to try to record every week again until the draft. Um, 
we are now late into the season to where most of our opinions, like nothing's final until the draft, but we should all feel pretty comfortable with our opinions now. So we're not going to go and talk about some players like five more times the rest of the way. Someone that we might mention today, who knows if they'll come up on another pod, even though we've talked about them in the past. So, yeah, I mean, we're late in the season. We're coming down to the final stretch, and I'm excited about it. Yes, that makes two of us. Uh, and exactly like you said, I think it's not that we haven't been watching basketball. Uh, it's mainly my fault. I've been caught up with 8,000 things outside of, uh, I mean, in work outside of uh, outside of the pod. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff consistently. We both have a lot of stuff to talk about, so I'm excited about that. The theme of today uh, is upperclassmen wings slash guards who kind of have shooting questions is basically the, the running track with them. And I think a lot of it's about deciphering and talking about their micro skills, what matters, shooting indicators. Um, and trying to parse out how we feel about them. So, Zach, do you want to reveal our group to, to, the, uh, to the audience? Yeah, so today we'll just be talking about Colby Jones, Terrence Shannon Jr., and Jalen Clark. And sure, there are other wings or guards who fit the mold that we were going to talk about. We're just going to focus on these three today. Um, we'll touch on other guys like Kevin McCuller and stuff in the future. Maybe he'll get another shout-out later in this pod. But yeah, um, first of all, very unfortunate news with Jalen Clark. Um, I was actually at the Arizona UCLA game when that happened, and you just could see his reaction to it. We didn't get to see the actual angle of everything, but you could just see he was really upset and hurt and uh, wishing him a, a full and speedy, healthy recovery. Yeah, I agree. He tweeted out about it too. I felt like just really bad for him seeing that, you know, like that's uh, it's tough. Um, I'm hopefully he can come back strong. He had just a really fun season to watch and see him break out as one of the kind of underrated stars in college basketball. So shouts to him. Um, where do you want to start with this one? I was going to say, let, let's start with Colby though. We'll come back to Jalen Clark. Uh, let, let's start with Colby Jones. Um, I have really, really enjoyed watching Colby Jones this year. Um, just he's improved in so many ways. And even just over the last month or so, I think he's just been dominating almost every game and he's, becoming much more like he's doing so much more as a scorer as well all year this year he's been shooting better than he has in the past and that was always the question for him with me like I thought he was a really good rebounder for his size um a solid defender a good passer but I always questioned like his shot was never that great it was actually it was a below average shot and it was like okay well when he gets to the NBA level how are teams going to use him? How is he going to impact the game if, it's, if he can't shoot? And I always thought that, okay, maybe you put him in like when Bruce Brown was in Brooklyn, right? You put him in that kind of role, maybe have him roll and, and be on the short roll work because he has, he has a solid floater. He can make passes. And I think that was still a role for him before this year. And it still is now. But now with the shot coming around, there's a more he can impact the game in more ways and it just gives him more like path to succeed instead of one way where it was like, okay, you have to get creative to make it work out with him. Yeah, I think what's been so exciting this year for him is you can see him attack closeouts because teams, it's not super routine, but like teams will close out to him. It gives him just more ability to use his drive game and um like you see him get to to handle some more pick and roll, do some more stuff. Like obviously the transition stuff has always been there, but um, I think like you mentioned in terms of talking about the, the floater game, just his general touch around the rim is really fun. Um, but I think the the biggest question is how do you actually feel about his shot? Like he's shooting 39.6% on the season, like just over three attempts per game, nothing crazy. Um, 
where where are you at with the shot? I am optimistic. I'd say it's not like I'm all in, bought in on the shot. He's going to be a good shooter, but I definitely am optimistic about it to where I'm comfortable um, saying, okay, I'm actually okay using a first round pick on him this year because of everything that he can do with the optimistic shooting projection that I have for him. Um, when you're looking at it from how he's improved as a shooter from last year, like sure, three three attempts a game is nothing special, but he's already taken 30 plus threes more than he did last year and four or five fewer games. He's already doubled how many makes he had last year. So I think that when you're talking about shooting projection and improvements from year to year, and we'll talk about these with, with our future guys as well, is you don't necessarily need to be someone who was like with him, right? He shot 29% last year on maybe around two threes a game. It's not really realistic for him to go from 29 to 40% and shoot seven threes a game, right? Like yeah. small increments amount of growth from year to year is fine. And maybe he'll show another growth from this year to next year. I just think you want to see that upward trend. And that's what we've seen with him. And we've seen that with, with, with Jalen Clark as well, that we'll get to, but yeah, so I'm I'm optimistic about the shot. Is uh, I guess what I'll say to that. Where are you? Where do you stand there? Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. Like I, I don't want to put it. It's not that I'm not optimistic. I think like I'm optimistic, but also like cautiously optimistic. Yeah, right? cautiously yeah, optimistic. I'm, I'm with you there, especially when you consider like other indicators. Like I think it's tough because you want to take the, you want to bank in like, Hey, he, he shoots like North of 40% on floaters. That matters a ton. Um, but his free throws have always, I mean, like that's always just kind of a negative indicator to have in there. But like, again, like I want to be optimistic. I think it's just more like uh, it, it's going to hinder him a lot. And I think part of why I'm not even saying that I'm less optimistic, but I think it's more um, when you mention him being in the Bruce Brown mold and stuff like that, I think it's just so worth noting that as like, well, he does do some things that are like really good athletically. Like he's really laterally quick. He's really strong. He's not a very explosive athlete in my opinion. Right. Like he doesn't really have a great first step. He's not very bouncy around the rim. I think he has like eight dunks on the year, maybe like eight attempts, at least last time I checked, Yeah, um, which is very low when you're considering what his like typical profile is and what you're trying to talk about. Um, and I think like, would you consider him like he's like he's honestly kind of the same kind of athlete as Bruce Brown? Uh, Except Bruce yeah. probably a little bit stronger. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I was gonna go. We can. I guess we can go. This whole good. Uh, it's a good transition into his finishing as well. So we yeah. can go into that because when you bring up like the athleticism, I think you can see it with his drives to where he doesn't always get all the way to the basket, and that is one of the concerns with him. Um, to where, okay, his touch, like right now he is shooting a ridiculous, uh, where is it? Here it is. 69% at the rim in the half court this year, which is really ridiculous actually. Um, on floaters, on all floaters this year, he's at 55.9%, 33 for 59 that's also really impressive. His touch this year has just been really, really good around the rim. Um, but it should be noted that they're not always the easiest looks. And even though the numbers are great, you will sometimes, and I, I guess generally the majority of the times you'll see some kind of drop-off inefficiency when you get to the next level because you're just going up against better athletes, more length and all that kind of stuff. So it is still tough for that fully to translate. But yes, the, the numbers and, and how he's 
finish this year is really impressive. I was watching the game that they played against DePaul yesterday and down the stretch, he had like, I think three floaters in the last like four or five minutes to to help them take the lead. And it's, it's just really, really impressive what he's done there. But like you mentioned, and, and I agree with you is he doesn't get the easiest looks and that's because of the lack of athleticism to a certain degree. Yeah. And I think one thing that's worth noting too, like that's not to totally discount him. I think it's more just to mention like, that's where fit and environment becomes really important. I think um, like when you're talking about what a guy can be like, okay, if you put Colby Jones in a more stagnant offense where it's going to be super, super reliant on him drawing closeouts all the time, then I have a lot more questions about that. If you put him somewhere like, okay, if you were on like a really high motion offense, like if you were playing for the Kings, I still think like there would be some questions about shooting gravity. They're going to pop up because they, they always like those things just always rear their head. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're getting him going one way, like you're getting him going in a direction with a step already. I think that's something that you see benefit guys who have some of the same questions. So um, I think like all those things just kind of add in and, and bake into one another. But it, yeah. I do want to know too, like, just because I don't think we hit on it enough. Like the passing is really, really good. Like, yeah, there, there's still a lot more I want to talk about here, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready to move on yet for yeah. sure. But one more thing about the finishing before moving on, I guess, to the passing is I think he's actually shown a decent amount of craft this year around the rim. Like I mm -hmm. said, they have been tough finishes, but he really does a good job using his inside hand when he's like on the right side, he'll yeah. use his like inside left hand, like an extension finish to avoid the contest and he'll get it off the glass quickly before they can block it. Or he'll like do a scoop layup over a contest. Like it will hit like top right side of the backboard, but still go in. Like he has been a really, really good finisher this year. So I don't want to rule out that that stuff won't translate. I think there's definitely a chance that it does translate. And when you yeah. combine that with the shooting improvements, like one thing we didn't even mention with the shooting is he's just not even, he's just so much more confident in his shot as well this year. There are multiple games where if you watched him last year, he'd pass up threes. And this year there's a contest, like someone closing out on him and he still just goes up for a shot right away. Sure. Three attempts a game, like we said, is not special, but you can just see how he's approaching his, his shot when he catches the ball. It looks so much different. Um, so yeah, I think those two things were, were worth mentioning as well. But yeah, if you want to go on to the passing, more than happy to talk about that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I don't like, obviously not like a primary level pass or anything, but honestly, I, I mean, not, it's not really like a big thing like to, to say, but like he's, he's Xavier's best passer it, without question for me. Um, like he does so much to set up their offense. And part of what's fun, like I have really enjoyed Xavier's offense this year because I think it caters a lot to what works for him. Like they do a ton of like going East West with DHOs and, and doing stuff to get him downhill that opens up him in the middle of the floor and he's really good at making just like corner kickouts. Um, like he can, he, he's capable of making live dribble skips. Like he does a lot of really good things with the ball in his hands. Yeah. He's also a really quick, like decision maker as well, like a quick connector as well. So like, even like you said, he's not going to be some on ball primary guy, but if you have him spotting up on the wing, he can make a quick swing pass or if there's like someone cutting, he'll quick entry pass to them. Um, and, and you, you combine that with, the improved shot and the finishing. And if people want to run him off the three-point line at some point, because the shot translates, then you can attack a closeout and finish or attack a closeout and then make the right pass, whether it's a dump off or kick out. So he's able to leverage his skills um, if that shooting comes around. And I, I do think he has that, that passing to do so. Yes, most definitely. I, um, I guess one more thing though, is like back to if you want to get creative and see him as like a, a short role guy. And we've seen it with Bruce Brown at times. And even like Alex Caruso, We've seen it with him at times in the past as well. 
how do you do you think that is a path for him like once once again it's not something that i think we'd expect every nba nba team to experiment with but if they get creative how do you think he could be if if they were to use him as a screener and in those kind of things especially because like that floater is you're able to get to that floater a lot as like a role guy yeah, I think one thing that stands out to me about Colby is that he has much longer strides than Bruce Brown. So I think he covers ground a little bit faster, even if he's not like bursty or anything, um, which I think matters for when he's going either laterally or or front ways. Um, I don't know why I said front ways and said north south, but, you know, same <laughs> thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think like in some ways I do feel like he could be um, – as a depth with that but i think the issue is just like it's the same stuff we talk about with bruce brown like okay well if you're shooting 45 percent on floaters or higher it looks awesome when you're not it looks terrible and teams just pretend that you're not there it really mucks up and clogs an offense um and that just makes it really difficult like i i do like trust that colby could be somebody who doesn't just pause with the ball in his hands because he's not drawing contact like i think one of the things that's fun to watch about him is like he's generally pretty good at playing through contact um i think that's something he could try and do but again like he's not the greatest free throw shooter it's not like at the level where like he's gonna get like hack a colby or anything of course but like i just think like again when you're talking about some of the limitations the way that i look about it is or at least that i have and i think part of why i've been potentially a little bit lower on Colby like I still have him in the first round but maybe not as high as I think others do is because I just worry when my mind is automatically starting to go to well what if he's in the Bruce Brown mold oh yeah no. and that's that's how I felt prior to this year is like okay if, if he has to be in that role to succeed that's like sure there's a path of success there but that's you don't want to have to be creative to succeed you want to be able to succeed in a variety of different ways yeah. And I think that was where I stood with him prior to this year. This year, I am more optimistic about other things. I don't think he is by any means like some surefire great prospect who 100% is going to work out. I just think that there's a lot that he does to impact the game. And I'm optimistic with the shooting. One thing I want to bring up when you bring up the free throw percentage, and it's not just for him, but in general, I think we've seen it with like Turk Smith and like last year, for example, is it's interesting when like your volume, like Colby Jones right now, he's only taken five or six more free throws than he has on three, than he has than threes this year. So like, is the volume, like, are you going to trust a similar, like, I think for Turk Smith last year, he took a lot more threes and free throws. Are you going to trust a much higher volume, a much higher sample size of his threes or go to his free throw percentage? Right. I think it's, I think it's interesting to think about. I think it's more just because of what, like it's been cold. Like, I mean, for his entire career, Oh yeah, no. That's why I wasn't saying it just for Colby. I, I just oh, think yeah, yeah. no, that's a good point. About it in the past, where like if you have a higher sample size, a higher volume of threes, but you have a poor free throw percentage, they're going to go to your free throw. I'm like, well, why don't we use the higher sample size, the one that's larger sample size? So, um, Colby is very similar, has more free throws still, but it's just a very similar number. So I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. But I would, I do do. Are you good to talk about his defense now? Yeah, let's go to the defense. Because I do think the defense is what makes it really interesting, like in terms of talking about, you know, having uh, more leeway to make things happen on court because he brings other things. Like, I think the defense is general, generally very, very good. Um, like, where where would you say he thrives most as a defender? I like him on ball the most right now, more than off ball. And that's where some of my questions do come with whether how much it will translate. 
because like I think what he does really good right now is like he uses his his strength and his physicality to wall off like drives and I do think that's really important but it's obviously much tougher at the next level against the NBA level athletes or the stronger players that he's going to have to go get go up against and guard and if that doesn't fully translate that takes away some of the intrigue with him that is a concern of mine but um I think he's also really good with his screen navigation um getting over and through screens or staying attached one thing that I am a little bit lower on with him is I think that like the footwork aspect or changing directions or just like when he's recovering, he seems to like fall or slip a good amount. And um, that can sometimes result in just a, uh, whoever he's guarding, create enough space for like a mid range shot or whatever. So I want to see him just keep his balance more. I'm not sure if it's a balance problem or footwork or what it is there. Um, but yeah, I think that's what he's best at now. Um, with the off ball stuff, I think he actually is a good off ball defender. He has good instincts or anything. I don't think he is some like crazy difference maker that like Jalen Clark is off the ball, I'd say, but I I do think he excels more on ball than off ball. Where do you stand? Yeah, no, I think I would agree with that. My, because kind of what I was talking about earlier, um, I don't think that he is like, like, I think he's good off the ball, but I don't think that he's, like, excellent. Like you're mentioning, I don't think that he covers ground um, at, like, the kind of – like, and again, like, I'm not meaning this in a bad way. Like, I think he covers it at a pretty good level, but, like, when you're comparing him to Jalen Clark or Terrence Shannon Jr., there's a big difference in how much ground you're covering. Um, so I do think that that matters. Um, I, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to think. How do you feel about him guarding, like, smaller players? Um – it's not something that I'm like, I think the the shifty ones, I wouldn't feel very comfortable with. I think, like I said, changing directions and the shiftiness. And I think with his balance and footwork stuff that I mentioned, I think that can be a little bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. But I don't think like if he's against like someone who's not too shifty, I think he's fine. I think he's able to use his st- his size and his strength to at least hold, hopefully hold players off like to where they can't fully turn the corner on him, which I think has its value in itself. As well as, I, I think he actually has good size. I think he's a, we'll, we'll see when measurements come out, but he looks like a legit 6'6". Six, six. I don't think he's, if he's smaller at all, I don't think he's much smaller than that. Um, do I think he has good size there as well? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think my biggest thing is just going to be um, like considering that, that he, so we're mainly talking about him guarding twos and threes. And I think it's just a lot of it becomes how good the shot is to let him be more of a two and, and mm-hmm. let him play in some of those matchups. But yeah, regardless, I do think yeah. like, I, I don't really view him as having any kind of um, liability on the court as a defender. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like, even if his stuff doesn't fully translate um, while that, while that might mean like, so like for him to be an NBA player, he's going to have to be, in my opinion, a positive on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, even if stuff fully doesn't translate, it might not mean that he's, an NBA player, but yeah, I don't think the defense is going to be the reason that he's not an NBA player. It'd be more like, okay, the offense didn't fully come around. I I think that the defense is good enough to where you want to see what he can get, what he can bring on offense. But yeah, I'm not sure that the defense is like elite enough to overcome some of the offensive flaws. So you need the offense to come around to a certain extent, whether that's the shot continuing to improve, like we've seen how it did this year the finishing translate or you have to get creative in the way that you want to use him on offense. If, if any of those do come around with his defense translating though, I think he's going to be a solid role player. Um, but yeah, he's by no means some surefire prospect that is like 100% going 
going to work out. Yeah. So where would you be comfortable taking him right now? I'm still trying to figure out how high I'm, I'm comfortable in the first round. I can tell you that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to say like, oh, top 20, top 25, top 30. Like, I, I mean, top 30 yet, first round. But like, I don't oh, know yeah. exactly how, I don't know exactly how high yet. Um, but I, I could see myself getting to the top 20 range. I don't think I'm there right now. I also haven't updated my board in a little bit. So um, I don't want to give an exact number, but I, I'm like 100% comfortable of having him in the first round at the moment, even with some of the offensive concerns and, and flaws there. Yeah, that makes two of us. I'm like, uh, I think I, again, like as the years gone on, uh, I've gotten higher and higher on him. And I've, I think I had him around 26 or 25 on my last mock. I can't remember, but yeah, again, I think that's like a that, fair that, spot that for him. Range is where I've yeah. And like I said, I don't want to rule out, like, I really do think I could get to top 20. I'm just not there right now. Um, and like we said about earlier, we're not going to come back and talk about Colby every single time, but like, if okay, maybe if I get to the point where I think he's top 20, I'll, I'll shout it out on here and we can talk yeah. about it a little bit more, but yeah, before we move on to the next player though, one more thing I want to bring up with him that I think has been very valuable with him in his previous years, which I don't think he's good at now, but not to the same level is what do you think about his rebounding? I think it's good. Like, I think it's something that... <clears throat> It doesn't like pop the same way it did last year, but I think part of that is that they play bigger this year. Like I don't, it's a different team. It's differently built. Um, but I think part of what I like about him is that he can rip and run. And I want to see teams and like, I, I've, I think that's part of, part of trying to figure that out is interesting because it's like, how much is the team really going to, to empower a guy who is probably back end of the first to, to rip and run and transition all that often. But I do think like that's part of the intrigue with him and in, in opening things up, like in terms of like, I think I let me compose my thoughts. I think a lot of it comes down to I really want him to go to a team that is willing to experiment and try new things. Like, I really think a team that is willing to empower all of their players to to grab and go and have uh, just kind of early offense actions built in rather than like, hey, we're going to get into this set in the half court. Like, I think that really matters for a guy like Colby. Like, I don't think that it makes a ton of sense. Like, if if you're just getting him to be an off-ball wing who doesn't really handle the ball at all, I think that that would kind of be a mistake, both for him and for you as a team, if you're trying to get the most out of it. Got it. Yeah, no, I, I, like, his, I like his rebounding, but yeah, I agree. Like I said, and you said as well. Not to the level that it had been last year, but I'm not really worried about that. I think regardless, it's above average for his position. And he just has a way of crashing the glass and knowing we're like just being at the right spot to grab these offensive or defensive rebounds and good hustle, good motor and all that kind of stuff, which is, is always what you want to see in a prospect. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you want to move on to Jalen Clark or Terrence Shannon? Uh, let's go to let's go to Jalen Clark. All right. Well, I will let you dish first. Because he is, uh, he's in your neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. So, like we said earlier, just really unfortunate injury. Wishing him the best, but um, so it, it is a little bit tough to talk about him in general because we don't know how the recovery is going to go. If he's even going to go back to school for another year, all that kind of stuff. So that's a little bit tough to um, to start off with. But what he was able to show this year, I think he was. I don't want to say he was 100% the most important player on UCLA because Hawkeyes still was really, really valuable to the team. But I do think you can make the case that Jalen Clark was their best player this year just because of how much of an impact he had on the defensive end. I think he 
was the best defensive player in the conference. Um, him or Kobe Johnson, I would go Signified with Jalen Clark. by his Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year award. Yeah, I would go with Jalen Clark over Kobe Johnson, but those two would be the best in their conference, in my opinion. And you could also make the case that he was also just one of the best defenders in the country. Um, just a really, really disruptive off-ball defender who, in that Arizona game where he actually got hurt, unfortunately, is he was everywhere defensively and and that was not like a one-time thing all season he showed that a lot this year where he just completely took over games defensively whether it was uh just getting deflections getting steals jumping passing lanes whatever it was he was always doing that so I think that's someone that will always stick out to me um and the offense has always been the question with him and there still is a question where I have to caution myself of okay you can't get too high on him because of the offensive questions but like we mentioned with colby jones is he has shown a little bit of improvement in his offensive game where last year he was 26 percent from three seven for 27 this year was 32 point or 25.9 last year 32.9 percent this year 26 for 79 he almost he almost made as many threes this year as he attempted last year. He almost made as he almost made four times as many threes as he did last year. So like, once again, you're seeing that improvement. It doesn't have to be some crazy improvement from one year to the next, but seeing that incremental growth is nice to see. Um, his, his touch around the rim was, was really, really good early in the year. I actually do think it fell off a decent amount in the latter half of the season. And that's where some of the questions come in. Cause he was always like early in the year, he would just get every loose ball, every offensive rebound, or just have a really nice cut and just have a nice little floater or finish. And it would always go in end of the year. He missed some easy bunnies and all that kind of stuff where you're like, okay, well, if this stuff isn't falling and this shot's falling back to earth, is he actually able to stay on an NBA floor? Probably not in that case, even with how good the defense is. Um, but if you are able to get that shot to continue to improve or that touch comes back or in that Maryland game, when Tiger Campbell got in foul trouble, he was able to take over some bar responsibilities. And I think he had looked a little bit rough throughout this year with the ball in his hands. I don't think the ball skills are that great, but in that Maryland game, he stepped up. So there were some on, uh, there were some offensive flashes that give you hope, but yeah, with him, it's just going to come down to what, how much can you get on the offensive end? Cause I, I do think it's, much more likely than not that he's probably will be a negative on the offensive end. Um, but can you limit how much of a negative he is to where his defense can outweigh that? That's how I view him pretty much. Yeah. Um, I think I am in the same boat. Like I, it's hard because I maybe, and maybe it's the, the wrong thing, but I feel so much more willing to concede with Jalen just because of what he is defensively. And that's probably the wrong way to look at it. If we're being honest, like I, I think he he's probably a better passer than his numbers indicate, like 1.9 assists to, to 1.2 turnovers. Like he doesn't really turn the ball over, but also like he only had like 21% usage this year. So it's not like he was doing crazy amounts, but like, I think he is like genuinely a very good passer, especially like kick aheads. Like he's good at just doing quick stuff off the dribble. If he gets walled off, he's moving the ball quickly. And, and you know, as soon as uh, like help comes, he's good at finding where the ball needs to go. He's not to the level of Colby where I think Colby is like capable of making like super proactive decisions and like can occasionally like really skip stuff. I don't really think Jalen's in that range, but also he doesn't need to be. Um, but it does, it's just worth noting because if he's a, a different level as a playmaker, you're talking differently. Like I don't view Jalen as a guy who you could plug into the Bruce Brown mold. Um, 
I yeah, don't know. No, I, I don't either. Yeah. And and by the way, I didn't even mention it, but like in conference play in 20 games, Jalen Clark was like 47.5 true shooting. Like, like I said, that last half of the season, the offense really took a hit. Like I said, 32.9% from three, but in conference play, 29.6. So this the, the, the offense really looked rough. And to be fair, he it wasn't all just because of the competition. Like he had a really good game against Maryland. He was pretty solid against Kentucky, like in in the non conference. So we did have some good games against um, decent competition as well. But yeah, um, the the offense is just a big question with him. But I'm with you. He's someone I will take a chance on. Earlier in the year, I said I was confident being open to him as a first round guy. I still am, but I, I prefer Colby Jones to him. Um, and I am trying to figure out, like, I'm not a hundred percent sure I will end up having Jalen Clark as a first rounder. If not that, that will be early second. So I would say like late first, early second is where I'm viewing him right now. What about you? Yeah, I think I'm in the same area with that. Um, I need to catch up in the last couple of weeks at Pac-12 play still. Um, something that we're going to do uh, next week. Um, but I think I was trending towards that. Like I was ready to get dangerous early in the year, as you were well aware. I had him like, I was like top 20 with Jalen Clark earlier yeah. in the year because of how well he was playing and how like he, he took like seven threes in a game. I was like, all right, league him, let's go. Um, but yeah, I think he's still a ways away offensively, but again, like, I think it's just being excited about the improvement matters. And I do think like just to, to hype up the defense, um, or do you want to just shift to talk about the defense? Yeah, I think that's fine. Okay, cool. Because, like, he, to me, is, like, the wing-slash-off-guard version of Jarris in this draft and what he does defensively. Like, I think he's really good on the ball, but what makes him elite is, like, he does the, like, 2017-18 Victor Oladipo complete roamer off the ball who can just blow everything up, like – his feel as a defender is so impressive to me. Like he sees plays happen before they happen. He's always in the right place. Like Jalen is a fine athlete. He's probably like a C plus athlete to me. Um, and that's not, again, that's not meant to be derogatory. That's just being honest. But like what makes him look like a better athlete is how well he's able to position himself and time things and just see the ball before it's moving or, um, you know, reading eyes, reading how a guy is moving. Like, He's just elite with that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of thing you can't teach someone as a defender. Like that's just stuff that I would love to pick his brain and watch film with him because I'd imagine he's a blast watching film with, but um, like he obviously can do this. Like he's solid. I, I actually would say screen navigation is probably his worst element right now. I don't know if you would agree with that. I don't like, not that I think it's bad, but I just think when you're comparing it to everything else he does, mm -hmm. he is kind of upright. Um, but again, like what he does as a Roman and as an off ball defender, like offsets so much of that. And he is really good at the point of attack. So, yeah, I think I'm probably just a tad lower on the defense as a whole than you are, but you know, I mean, I've said how much I like him on defense still I think there are a couple of times where either he gets lost a little bit off the ball or it's just because he's hunting for something that he shouldn't be hunting for. And you're like, okay, well, that's not great. I think that happened more off, not like not more often than not, but I think, it was one of the more one of the games where it happened more than it did in other games was probably the I want to say the first Oregon game, not a hundred percent on that one, but I think it might have been the first Oregon game. Um, but then you go back and watch that Maryland game on defense or this Arizona game from this past weekend where he got hurt, like I mentioned. If you just go watch his 15 minutes in that game and watch his defense, he was like 
he was playing to where like he was baiting passes to break up passes with deflections and stuff. And that was just, he was absolutely everywhere on defense. I'm pretty sure he had like, he had four steals in 15 minutes and he had some other deflections as well. Like it was just unreal half from him defensively. Um, But yeah, I think I'm a little bit lower just as a whole, but he's still a really, really solid defender. My question to you is, so are you are you Colby over Jalen Clark? Are you up in the air on that? Are you Jalen Clark over Colby? I, I th- yeah, where where are you on that? Uh I think I'm up in the air, but probably leaning Colby. Um, okay. So I, yeah, I, I, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, I'm I'm Colby over Jalen Clark. Not like an up in the air one. I do think it's either one is understandable. I prefer Colby, but um, I was going to ask you because I, I would I would agree that Jalen Clark is the better defender between the two, even though it doesn't mean anything bad to Colby. It's more of okay. There's so much more optimism from my end in Colby's offense than there is in Jalen's offense. Yeah, and I think that's the big difference for me. To where I still think Colby's a better passer. I think his shooting projection is better. He's a better finisher. Um, more ball skills, all that stuff I think is important to have to where I don't think um, the the defense is, the, the gap in defense isn't big enough to overcome that for me. Yeah, I think that that's where I need to be. It's just, yeah, <laughs> I, like, and I, no, I think I agree. Um, actually, now I think about it, I think I had Colby over Jalen on my last mock, but well, like only by from like the other spots. from the other perspective, think, it's not it's not bad to feel the other way. Like there's nothing like if you think that it, it's Jalen just Clark hard is, to like I just watching that guy play defense. It, it right. Well, if you think that the defense is that elite to where it's actually a huge difference maker to where the offense doesn't matter as much, there, I don't think there's anything wrong with having Jalen Clark ahead. Um, I just personally feel like the gap is not big enough on defense to where I will, I think that the, the gap on offense is bigger than the gap on defense. Um, and I, since I'm a little bit lower on Jalen Clark's defense than you are, even though I think it's incredibly good, that's why I lean Colby, but I don't think there's anything wrong with going the other way. Yeah. I just, I'm just trying to think through it. Cause like, I think part of what's tough is like, cause I just want to fall in love with the fact that, Hey, you know, like they're really, he, his, his defense is special. But also, just watch the Arizona game. Uh, yeah, just just watch the recent one. It is it is it is really really yeah. awesome. But then it's just but exactly like you're mentioning, like okay, well, how do we even showcase that if we don't think he's going to get guarded? If we don't really know what role he has on offense, like I think you're bringing up good points with with Colby, like having the thresholds um, to actually do stuff matters a ton. So it almost feels like too, and I I really hope that Achilles doesn't like obviously it hurts Jalen physically. Um, but like I hope that it doesn't have a long-term impact on his ability to play. Um, because that would suck. But I think the the more that we talk, I think the more I think like that probably I I don't it's yeah. never as easy as just saying go back to school. But I do think like right. he is a guy to me who I think would really benefit from getting more usage, getting more reps, getting more opportunities in a way that I don't think he's going to get the same in the NBA with what reps he needs. I'm saying. Yeah. And and when taking into account the injury when you have to, like, yeah, for me, with me already getting a little bit more cautious about the offense with how it looked the latter half of the season. Like I said, I said late first, early second, but taking into account the injury, it's like, okay, I don't think I feel comfortable using that first round pick without knowing more of how he's going to look after the injury. Um, it just, it is what it is. Um, 
but wishing him the best there for sure. And I, I do think an extra year of college, if he's able to fully recover and play again next year, even if like, I, I don't know when the timetable was or anything, but I think just getting out there and showing that the offense has improved a little bit, a little bit more, get that shot a little bit better and, and still have an impact on the game defensively like he did. I feel very interested in him again next year, but this year, like I, I'm not against taking him this year. I just, yeah, with the injury and then the latter half of the season, I don't know if I can use that first round pick on him. Yeah, no, I think that's a really fair assessment. Um, well, let us talk about Terrence Shannon Jr., who is my favorite of the three players, uh, has been like one of my favorite prospects for forever. Um, so before yeah. we get into it, you're, you're so you're Terrence over the other two. Yes. Okay, so you, you start us off. You start us off here. I... I think I have always been excited about Terrence Shannon Jr. I think if you took how I look and understand the game now, I probably would be less enthused about him with what he was two years ago than what I was at the time. Um, But that's all to say, like, he went from somebody who I never thought was like, like, I always thought he was like pretty average in feel for the game. Um, I thought like defense was so much more about tools with him and the way that he was able to cover ground in Texas Tech scheme and be really handsy, be capable at the point of attack. Like he has real versatility. Like obviously he would get like, and I think it's still happened at times in Illinois. Like he gets back cut sometimes. Like that, I do think that there are off ball lapses, but I think part of that's been due to, you know, on ball, how much he has the ball in his hands now. But that's all to say, like, I think this year with him at Illinois has been like the, all of the jumps that I was hoping for and waiting for since his freshman year at Texas Tech have happened for me in this year. Um, the willingness and ability to just get threes the hell up has been there. And I think that to me, what's fun to me, and I had this conversation with our friend Sam Vecini the other day, like I think I, as much as it like hit, okay, so he went from shooting 35.7% on three attempts per game in 2021, 38% on threes, uh, on three attempts per game in 2022 to 33% this year on five attempts per game, like upping his, like, and it's less about to me, like, I I still think that there are always going to be mechanical questions with his shot based on what it is right now. Um, But that being said, I think just the fact that he got rid of the unwillingness to shoot and opened up his game in the way that it has, has really mattered. I think that he's drawn more closeouts this year than he did in prior years at at, at Texas Tech, um, just by virtue of letting it fly. And I think part of what's going to be interesting to talk about is like, okay, well, how much can you get away with that at the next level? But I think doing that on top of, I think he's really just grown with his feel for the game. Like he sees the court a little bit better now. Um, He has the ability to attack with either hand. He's not going to finish with either hand. That's still a work in progress. But the fact that he can actually dribble with both hands now has opened up even more for him. And I think his drive game is just, like this year you really see how explosive of an athlete he is. Like, I think you obviously saw that at Texas tech quite often, especially in transition, but like routinely in the half court and especially early in the season, I mean, you could just see him like pretty easily hit like early pick and roll and just demonstrable drives to the rim, like tons of pop around the rim, Uh, had a career high free throw rate this year. Like, this is the year where he just felt bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else with how he was playing on the court. And I think I was really impressed with a lot of his ability to, like, again, I'm not going to call him a preternatural passer or anything, but, like, 
he really learned how to make pick and roll reads like and in a good way like it was I really felt like he was capable of taking on the usage that he did this year for Illinois and even though they had an up and down year I don't really attribute that to to him like there was a lot going on with Illinois um all that to say I think I came out of this year really optimistic about who he is as a prospect and all that much more bought in on what I saw or was optimistic about the last couple of years. I know I was really long winded, but like, no, I, I, I think that's all, that's all fair. Um, I am someone who was not a huge fan of him a couple of years ago and I've become a huge fan of him now. Um, unfortunately the shot has fallen off a bit this year after that hot start. And he had that UCLA game that none of us will ever forget where he made eight threes in that game. Um, but he has like over the last, like since that game, he's like, I think he's even below 30% over the last like 20 games or so um, to where there's a little bit of concern with him. But I'm with you to the extent that like the burst that he has and how like in the half court he shows it, but he's also one of the best transition players in this class. His His driving both ways has improved. His finishing has improved a little bit as well. Um there is still optimism with the shot, even though there are some concerns there and, and questions. The passing looks better. There's there's so much about his game that you like. And when the shot, since, like I said, the shot hasn't been falling much recently or it's been inconsistent, even in the games where the shot isn't falling, he is finding ways to impact the game, whether it's with his passing or getting easy layups in transition or in the half court out of the pick and roll. There are like a game here and there where I don't think his rebounding is consistent, but there are a couple games here and there where you'll see him like try to make more of an effort on the glass, which I appreciate as well. Um, so yeah, I agree with most of what you said. I want to go to the defensive side of things with him because I'm actually quite optimistic there. I don't think the defense has looked as good this year as it has in the past. And I think mm-hmm. some of that can be brought back to maybe he just have more of a, more of a role higher usage on offense maybe that's not the reason that it's dropped off either but i'm still pretty optimistic with the defense i just think he is quick enough and he has the size and it's not like he shies away from contact either to where i think he'll be able to have a a good impact on that end yeah i really like what you said about the a um i i do i i agree that i think the usage has really kind of taken a hit on him um and also like playing in a new scheme i think that there were times this year where it really felt like especially early on it was like oh hey he's like doing some of the no middle reads instead of just like playing the straight up defense that they were um but exactly like you're saying like i think out of the three i mean he has the best lateral quickness um like in terms of just pure being an athlete it it like he's not somebody i'm ever going to be worried about on can he make that close out quickly enough like uh, he covers large swaths of ground. He takes really good paths most of the time, honestly. Um, and I think, like, especially at the point of attack, that's where I'm. I think I would say I'm most excited about him. Like, I think mm-hmm. his ability to use his chest and just his strength um, to ward off drives is like incredibly impressive. Um, and I think, like, we've seen him guard up this year. We've seen him be able to guard down a little bit. I don't think that he's somebody you want necessarily guarding ones, but. Um, like he has the capability to switch onto a lot of players or just straight up hang on players in, in single coverage pretty well. Um, and he's also been good in like, okay, if you want him to ice, he can do that. If you want to put him in different coverages, he can do that. I think. So, so what have you thought about his screen navigation? Cause they switch a decent amount as well. I feel like. So what have you thought about, what have you thought about screen navigation? 
Uh, I think that's where I've seen a little bit of the drop off this year. I think he was better at that at Texas Tech. Not that they screen navigated a ton, but I felt a little bit better about that than last year's. Um, not that I think it's been terrible this year, but I think just compared to to last year, it hasn't been as good. Like he's not dipping his shoulder in the same way. I think there are times where he gets caught on a screen and he's just like, okay, let's switch. Um, kind of like Benedict Matherin did at Arizona last year. Um, except with with a lot more effort. But uh, like, yeah, I think like I it, it's I think the way that I won't put it, it's not something I'm worried about long term. That's fair. Unrelated to these guys, but I tweeted it today and I've mentioned it to you is just, I was walk, like trying to get all these screen navigations, like my thoughts on them recently. So I was just going through all like their pick and roll defense and everything. And it really pisses me off sometimes where the guards don't set up these screens, right. Where like the, the off on offense, right. So it's not talking about any of these three players, but you see, like, we always see people talk about how bigs don't set good screens. And I think that is a very fair criticism. They take bad angles or they shy away from contact or all that kind of stuff, but no one, not no one, but you don't see people very often talk about, Ooh, the guard tried to use the screen too early, or he didn't come off the screen tight enough, or he didn't set up the screen beforehand. And I think that that's something that is very important. Um, especially when evaluating ball handlers is how can they use a screen? Are they able, like you can get an advantage from a screen if you're going to use it properly. And if you're going to come off a screen too wide and let the defender get over it. Like when I was watching Colby Jones, defensive film, he was able to get over a lot of screens and some were because of his good screen navigation, but other times were just because the ball handler wasn't doing a good job setting up the screen. Um, so that's something that I just want to talk about quickly, but, but yeah, back to Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, I actually wanted to touch on the offense one more thing. Like you brought up the shot and the volume. And I think we've talked about it before in the past and we'll talk about it more in the future. It's just the volume has been so helpful for him. And like you mentioned, he has gotten more closeouts this year than he has in the past. And even when the shot, I, I do think the closeouts aren't coming as often when the shot is struggling, but it's still happening more than it did in the past just because the volume is up. So if he's able to just be like, even a below average shoot, not that it will 100% be like an NBA player if he's a below average shooter, but you can be a below average shooter, like if you're respectable enough and still get closed out if you're putting the volume up, I think. So I, I think that's always been good to see with him. Um, and yeah, just being able to attack closed outs is, is really, really beneficial. Yes, definitely. And I think part of what helps you like, I mean, he's the best driver out of them because his first step is so good for somebody mm-hmm his size, especially too, like, um, and it's part of what something I've tried to weigh with and something that I also want to write about. Like, I think he's somebody like that, especially in draft discourse or whatever has really gotten lost in the, well, he's 20, he's going to be 23 by the time the NBA season starts. And like, yeah, but I also think it's important just to note how different, uh, development trajectories are like, um, I don't know. Like, I think you could always see the outline of this guy in prior seasons, but like, if we're being real and honest, like Texas Tech's offense has never really been built to, I mean, I, I would just say it's never really been built, but I think it's, I mean, it's never really been built to um, showcase what guys can do like this, in my opinion. Like it's never been something that I have looked at and be like, that really applies a ton to the modern NBA and just stuff in general. Um, yeah. And, and to go off of, your part about the age. Um, I think that a lot of people, how do I put this? It's tough because age is definitely important when yeah. it comes to the draft. It's definitely important. 
But I do think when you look back at the drafts, a lot of the time, the guys who fell are the older guys. And I think, I think it's much better to use someone's young age as like a reason for hope, I think more than to use their old, their like being an older guy as to, to bring them down, I think. And sure. I, I do think that like, there is stuff to be said to where, oh, they're just dominating in a competition. You have to actually see how they're getting their stuff and how they've improved over the years. That's still all important. But yeah, I, I really do think that sometimes like the older guys get overlooked because of that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to weigh in and like what I want to really talk about this year or figure out this year, because I think not that I think Terrence is going to be a star or anything, but I do think it's worth noting, like with what he brings, there are real high level traits. Um, I'm not saying that he's Malcolm Brogdon, but I do think like there's when you're talking about like somebody who maybe gets swept under the radar because they're you know a senior or because they're so like uh, i think that there is like as much as and i'm not trying to name prospect names but like i think there are going to be a lot of underclassmen who maybe get pushed a little bit higher up in the pecking order because like hey they're 18 they're 19 Mm -hmm. but i also think like to me like i look at this where i'm like okay if i'm a team that is drafting like i i legitimately think like i could get to a point where seeing like if a team is really bought into Terrence and what he could be, I don't think it's crazy to see him go like close to the lottery. Um, because I think that there's a real chance that he has that kind of upside if he gets put in the right environment and continues on some of the trajectories on right now. Yeah. I think there will definitely be guys who are younger, who get the benefit of the doubt, which to be fair, like some will deserve the benefit of the doubt and some will deserve like, Oh, a little bit of projection because of that three, four year age gap. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but yeah, I mean, you can lo- see how Terrence Shannon Jr. has improved from last year to this year and and how he's getting his stuff. And he, sometimes like, there's nothing wrong with getting a good basketball player. And regardless of your age, good basketball players are good basketball players at times. And I think that is something that needs to be reminded at times. And yeah, I think he's a good example. I think for me, now I know you said your, your Colby, Jalen Clark was more up in the air. For me, it's more Colby versus Terrence Shannon Jr. that's up in the air for me. Oh, that's not up in the air for me at all. It's yeah. Terrence. Yeah, I, and I think that's fair. I I don't know which way I lean at the moment. Right now, I think it's going to come down to how I end up feeling about Terrence's shot um, because I do think Col- like Colby had a much better shooting season this year. But if you go back and look at last year, Terrence Shannon Jr. was a perfectly fine shooter last year. Um, but then, yeah, Terrence Shannon Jr. has the size. He has the burst. He has the better driving. So there's so much to like about him. Um, to where if I could feel comfortable enough with the shot, yeah, I will pick Terrence Shannon Jr. over Colby. But yeah, I think it all comes down to how one views um, Colby's shot and Terrence Shannon Jr.'s shot. Is that gap big enough to make the difference between the size and the and the burst and all that kind of stuff? So Yeah, and I think for what it's worth, like I view Terrence's shot as saying better is wrong, but I almost feel it's more translatable just based yeah. on, what he's on where he's at. Yeah, so with Which that, like, I'd be like, higher on him. Yeah, me. no, with and with just that, like having the athleticism requisites, like I think that matters a ton. But exactly, and with that thinking, you 100 like should have Terrence over Colby. So that's something I'm still figuring out. I assume, like, I I don't know which way I lean right now. Like I said, um, probably Terrence, but it's like really close. Like probably even like a back to back, same tier, like same tier back to back on the list. Like there'll be those two with me right now, but. But yeah, I'm I'm think those two are closer than Colby and Jalen Clark for me personally. But yeah, um, 
Do you have anything else to touch on on these three? I do not. I think that was all I wanted to get into. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. And just thinking about how, how they differ from each other. Um, I guess one quick shout out. I know you've watched um, a good amount of Kansas recently. How do you feel about like Jalen Clark versus Kevin McCullough, for example? Well, that's like asking me to put my <laughs> two sons in a ring and watch one of them kill one another. Uh, that's tough. I think I th- they're both like I would say they're both two of like the top five wing defenders in college basketball. Um, but do you think they have different strengths as a wing defender, though? Yes, I think Kevin's much better on the ball. Like right. Kevin is really, really. I actually might argue that Kevin's a better defender than Jalen. Like I love Jalen, and I think he's just about the he's like like I said, just about the best wing defender in college basketball. But I think Kevin probably is the best wing defender in college basketball. Like his ability to a be strong at the point of attack but also be capable of if he's getting back down or getting bullied on a drive, he's really good at swipe downs or he's really good at getting vertical or he's really good at pulling the chair. Like he just has like every trick and technique in the bag as a defender um, that makes him just special at what he does defensively. He unlocks a lot of what they can do defensively. Like he, like, I mean, Kansas switches pretty much everything. Like they play an extremely aggressive switch team and he, is so good at being able to rotate back line. Like I wouldn't say that he's a quote unquote rim protector, but he's pretty good at providing contests at the rim, even though he's only six, five or six, six. Um, he's really good at stunts and digs. If there's a loose handle, he's going to find it. Like there isn't really a bad part of his game defensively, other than if somebody six, eight gets the ball against him in the post. And even then he's going to fight them tooth and nail. And it's going to be pretty good. Like to me, I would actually say like he is very comparable to Derek White as a defender, if not a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger. Um, and that, I mean, that says a lot. So one last question here. How are you comparing those two? Who's a better offensive player? Uh, Jalen or Kevin? I'm asking I think, you. I think it's Kevin. Um, so, you, so you think Kevin's a better prospect than Jalen then? If he's a better defense and a better offensive prospect, is he not the better prospect? That's a good point. Um, it's tough because, like, I think he is, and I just realized I didn't have it that way on my board, um, which I feel dumb about. But like, I think what's been, it's tough because like, Kevin's bad games feel really loud. Like, I think it's been really, and it's not even that he has a lot of bad games. I just think it's with what Kansas's offense is like an offense that really just doesn't generate advantages a lot. Um, or like I should say when they get put into a very difficult half court setting, the, the advantages can become sparse. Um, and I think with so often, like the ball gets kicked to him in the corner and it's like, Oh, I can't shoot or this and that. But I still like, I am very like concrete on, I think Kevin should go at the back end of the first round because what he brings as a defender and somebody who impacts the game in every way possible is really important. Like he does so much. I think the passing is like good, not great. Like he's capable of running second side pick and rolls, but the problem is he's not going to get a lot of them. Yeah. I also want his, I think he needs to clean up some turnovers as well. I think those can be a problem. Well, I think part of the turnovers to me have been the way that the floor gets kind of mixed against him because of how often people are going under his screens or, um, so it can just be a little bit ugly in that way. It's tough because like, 
he is a negative offensively right now. Um, so I, I personally think I think um, with Jalen, I'm I'm more comfortable with Jalen taking advantage of like an advantageous situation. I think yeah. is how I put it. Um, but yeah, I think there's both there's concerns with both of them on offense, um, and I, I feel more optimistic with Jalen Clark's shot. But that's still a pretty low bar. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, no, I thought that was interesting to think about. Yeah, I think um, my thing is like, God, I just, if I could get, if there is an NBA team that believes they can work with Kevin Schott, they should draft him in the first round. Because of what, if you can get him to shoot, like, and it doesn't even have to be like good shots. Like if he can just shoot, 36% on open threes. Like, I think that's, I think he could be in somebody's top eight if he gets that together, which is saying a lot, but like, I, I legitimately believe that. Like, 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 no, that, like that's talking, fair. Talking like about the rebounding, around. like the rebounding is nuts. Like he's so good at boxing out. Like what it's one of my favorite things about him. Like, especially for a team that plays so small all the time. Like he probably is their best rebounder in the way that he's able to box out, the way that he sees the ball. Um, like he has an like he he is like Nate Hinton level as a rebounder, not on the offensive glass, so they don't empower him to do it in the same way. But um, yeah, I no, I think that's fair. Um, I, like it might seem bold how you said like if he shoots well, it can be a top eight, top ten guy. And I guess sounds bold, but like a few years ago, Najee Marshall for me, like okay, I, I thought he was. Uh, first round guy i'm like if his shot comes around i think he like i didn't say i didn't have Najee marshall a lottery i had him first round but i'm like if you get his shot to come around he's probably a top 15 top 20 guy in the class and i don't even think a shot has really come around yet but he's still finding ways to have an impact on the game when he gets an opportunity um so yeah i mean if the shot comes around but that can be obviously said for so many players not just a couple players right there's so many yeah. guys who no are like, exactly oh, that's they have why questionable i don't have shots because but, like if i right. really was like oh yeah i can make kevin shot work then i don't have him like top 15 exactly what exactly. you're saying but like i think just given what it's been i don't think we're gonna get there i really wanted to get there and it's so hard too because like He's similar to Terrence and like Terrence just has so much more going for him as a shooter, but like similar to Terrence, like he has real off the dribble game in the mid range. Like, it's not like he just like, he does have touch, but it just, it, it eludes him outside the painted line. Maybe if we can remove the line and just like tell him that it counts for three, if he takes it outside a certain area, it'll start falling. But, uh, we can hope he's like, he's literally just been one of my favorite players to watch since I started scouting basketball. Cause he just yeah. does everything right. Like, and he has real craft as a ball handler too. Like not that he's amazing, but I think like he's capable of snaking. Like he is really comfortable using ball screens when teams don't go under them all the time. Um, just a fun player. Shout out to his mom too. His mom, that sounded terrible, but his mom like always retweets anything I say about Kevin. Um, I always appreciate the name search parents that find positive things. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I've. Do you have any anything else to touch on here? Um, for everyone listening, we will be doing another podcast after the bracket comes out. Um, probably we'll we'll probably do it like on Tuesday or Wednesday. Just, we'll have it out before. Um, might not be before the the first four, but before the first like weekend of games before the round of sixty four. We'll have the next podcast out. Um, that's our hope at least. Yes, do you have anything we, else to touch on today? 
no i agree we will have much more consistent pods moving forward um the work has balanced out on my end a little bit at least um so yes we will be we will be back on this i'm excited man again come watch the basketball with us at 9 p.m tonight xavier and creighton it's going to be a really good game we get to watch colby jones who we just talked about um, exactly so um yeah and and we're doing uh Playback as well for Selection Sunday at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, I think is the time. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure. I'm but, but yeah, come, come join us. Watch the bracket get revealed together. We'll be talking about the fun prospect matchups as it happens and maybe some potential stuff down the road that we want to see if, if teams can win out and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we've been doing playback pretty much every other day for the last few weeks, and I think that's our goal to continue doing so so if you can't come every day obviously we understand but just come hang out with us for five well, to ten i don't minutes. understand I think <laughs> if, you can, if you can come hang out five to ten minutes every here and there and hopefully you stay longer but it's always a fun time and we appreciate all the support so thank you